Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Excellence. Shout out to all of y'all. Give yourselves a round of applause. Y'all out here ready to learn. Y'all out here ready to execute. So I'm not even going to hold y'all up, man. This real estate panel that I put together, tuh. I hope you got pen and pads, because this is about to be a straight gym session. You heard me? So when y'all hear gyms, I need y'all to hear, I need y'all to say, gyms. I, I, now that was weak. So when y'all hear these brothers dropping gyms, I need y'all to say, what? That's what the fuck I'm talking about. So let me introduce my first panelist. He needs no introduction. He goes by investor on Instagram. I like to call him the, the mayor of Houston. My brother, Mr. Chris Senegal, is in the building. That's how you rinse it. I bought every V12 engine. Wish I could take it back to the beginning. I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo. Y'all give it up for my brother Chris Senegal right now, man. My next brother coming to the stage, man, I love this brother right here. Because if it wasn't for this brother and his partner, in all honesty, none of y'all would probably know who the fuck I am. And I'm keeping it real. Oh, parental discretion of eyes. I've got to warn y'all. That's my disclaimer. So, let me give it up for my brother. He needs no introduction. Caesar Pena, AKA Flippin' New Jersey is in the building. Come on, Caesar. Check it out, check it out. This here goes out to all the niggas that be fucking mad bitches. And other niggas friends. Niggas shit is sweet. Niggas creep up on your ass. Live niggas respect you. Check it. I kick flows for Caesar you. Caesar Pena flipping New Jersey in the building. Last but not least, man, this guy right here, Max Maxwell, needs no introduction. You're going to see him wholesaling, flying planes, being in Africa, building dream homes, buying up the world. Give it up for my man, Mr. Max Maxwell. Look at the drip. Hold on. Look at the drip. Here we go. Here we go. Real estate is in the building. Y'all have a seat. Y'all get your pen and pads because we ain't, we're not gonna waste no time with this. We're gonna go straight into this. So, 
we got three different brothers. They do three different things. So we're going to start the conversation off. For those of you who are looking to make money in real estate, maybe you don't own any properties yet. Maybe you may own the property, but you're looking to make money. So we're going to start with wholesaling and Max Maxwell first and foremost. Then we're going to go from making money and then graduating and buying commercial real estate. And then from there, we're going to teach you how to buy the block. All right? So get your pen and pads ready, and let's go. Max Maxwell, first of all, for those who don't know who you are, tell the people out here a little bit about yourself. All right, so my name is uh, Max Maxwell, first-generation American to Jamaican parents. Uh, so all my Jamaicans put, put the gun on one time. But, uh, you, know, you know, I grew up in North Carolina, and uh, started, okay, we got Carolina in the house. Okay, North Carolina in the building? <laughs> oh, they hype. <laughs> no, so, you know, I, I went to the military very young at 17. I wasn't smart enough to college. I, I, I'm dyslexic, um, so college wasn't my thing. Went to the military. After the military, I came home and did a bunch of things. I failed at a lot of stuff, man, G. I failed at a lot, but I never quit. So it wasn't really fail, you know, I just kept going. And then I got to the point where my last failure was hard. I was 30 years old. You know, you're supposed to have your life all together when you're 30. And so I ended up at 30 years old, my last company failed. I had to move back home with my mom. That wasn't fun. And so got in, I wanted to get back into real estate though, but that was a deep, dark time and I was depressed. You can name it, everything. And then I, I found out about wholesaling and I became completely obsessed. And you know, wholesaling is simply, you know, finding a property cheap, finding somebody else who wants it, and making some money in the middle. And we did that over and over again to where I got 21 employees, multi-million dollar. We doing that and we, we moving along the line. I'm kept trying to catch up with the rest of these guys right here. Man, I hope, didn't, I hope that didn't go over nobody's heads. Repeat that, how many employees? We got 21. 21 employees. Yeah. And it started off with doing one deal. One deal, in 2000, 2016. That's five years ago. So you went from Zero to 100, real quick, basically. Real quick. <laughs> so, all right, so let's talk about those first steps, right? For those folks who don't know what wholesaling is, don't know how to get started with wholesale, what's the steps? How do you get your first deal? You know, so wholesaling is real simple. The best part about wholesaling is identifying a deal. And that's the principle of all real estate. Can you identify a deal? And so most of us have drove past houses with tall grass, uncut bushes, boarded up properties, and, and it's such an eyesore that you keep driving past it. And so I didn't, I didn't drive past this one. It was an old neighborhood that I was in. I found the property. I looked up on the tax assessor's website who owned it, did a bunch of Google searching, find a person, found their Facebook page, ended up getting their phone number, and I say, yeah, I want to buy this house right here. She was like, actually, I'm interested in selling it. She said, let me call you back. My husband works long hours over the road. I'll call you back in a few days. A few hours later, she calls me. It's like, yo, I want to sell it. And not really knowing what the price was, I told her I'd give her 30000 She was like, nah. She said, give me thirty-two and pay the taxes, something like that. So I ended up, I ended up picking up the house for like forty-two grand. And here's the crazy thing. All I did was have to get her to sign the contract to say that I can purchase it from her at 42000 Now, the next step was on me. I got to find somebody that's wanting to pay more for it in the time frame that I said I was going to buy the house. So in 30 days, I got to bring her $42,000 cash. I called somebody else, put it on Facebook Marketplace. Somebody else said they'll pay, me fi they'll pay 56 for the same house. Mm. So what in between is, is called an assignment. So the difference between- What's an assignment? I'm assigning my rights in the contract. So let me back up. When I got that contract, I now had what they call equitable interest in that property for the time frame written in that contract. So for the next 30 days, she can't sell it. She can't do anything to it. And so I was able, since I had that equitable interest, I'm able to transfer that equitable interest to somebody else that's willing to pay me for that piece of paper. And on that deal, that person paid me $14,000. And I don't know. I was so broke. That felt like a million. That felt like a million. Real talk. Yeah, and that's beautiful. So how did you find that buyer? 
Facebook Marketplace. Facebook Marketplace. So you put it on Facebook Marketplace, they hit you up, you sold it, and then you moved on to the next property? That's simple. So essentially when the guy said he would buy it from me, what assignment essentially does is it scratches your name out as the executor, as the buyer, and they put their name. So when it goes to closing, they got to put the money up and they got to put the extra money up, which is the 14000 that goes to me. And then we went over and over. In my first year, I did like $800,000 in assignment deals. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You said in your first year, you did 800000 Over $800,000 in assignments in one year. Whew. You had no experience prior to that? None. Damn. I had no money to have no experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait a minute. 800000 Give these folks out here three steps, three actionable items that they can take to get their first deal today, right after this segment is over. What can they do? You need to go drive in, in, the, in the neighborhoods you already know. There's houses with tall grass, unkept bushes. Somebody doesn't want that house. The person that owns it. So you identify that house, find out who the owner is, and then go find a buyer who wants to pay more for it than you got it. And it's that simple. It's yeah. really three steps. That doesn't seem hard at all. It's not. People get, people get frustrated with the process and they want to be perfect before they start. Just go do it. So they don't have to be perfect. They don't, because yeah. a lot of people out here, they overanalyze. They got analysis paralysis, right? So with wholesaling, you don't need to overanalyze. You just need to go drive for dollars, you remember, basically. You remember I told you I'm dyslexic, right? Yes. So my first one-page contract was had misspellings on it, and that same contract I used for the whole year made me $800,000. So it wasn't perfect. I just took action. It's, a, it's something you always say, imperfect, massive action? Yeah, take imperfect, massive action. Just move. Whew. Just move. Because a lot of people sit down and they wait for the right answer. You just got to keep moving. Got to keep moving, guys. Hope y'all taking notes on this. A lot of information is so far. So now you made $800,000 your first. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Year. Do you need to be licensed to wholesale deals? No, not at all. Because you're not helping someone else buy or sell property. When you got equitable interest in a property, you're just selling the paper that your equitable interest and not the actual real estate. Do you think people should get a real estate license before they wholesale? It don't hurt. So if, that, if that's going to be one of your analysis paralysis things, go do it and then get back on the train. There you have it. Now, you got 21 employees. How the hell did you grow a wholesaling company? Because that's major. You don't see too many wholesalers out here that now have a wholesale company. So how did you go about doing that? What were your steps that you took to, to build this, this company? You know, first thing I had to do is I had to become a better leader because it's a big responsibility that every Friday somebody comes and depends on you for a paycheck. And so I had to learn how to be a leader. And so reading books and getting with mentors to be a better leader, and that was the first thing. And then I knew I had to document my process from A to Z. And then I started firing myself from positions in the company from doing things. Wait a minute, hold on. You was firing yourself? Yeah. Elaborate on that a little bit. So if I'm up late at night collecting the data to then wake up in the morning to skip trace it, then the, later in the afternoon making the phone calls, and then in the evening going on the appointments, I gotta figure out what process, first I gotta document that process, and I gotta figure out where can I fire myself from and not hurt the company. Mm, mm, Jim, and it, Jim. And, and I had, to, I had to first hire somebody to collect the data when I was sleeping. So I hired somebody from the Philippines. And then I hired, had to hire somebody to answer the phone calls from the bandit signs and the marketing that was done from the Philippines. So my first four employees all lived in 12 hours behind me. How did you go about hiring them though? I went to, um, first I found one person on Upwork. 
What was that? Upwork. Upward. Up, Upwork.com. Y'all got that? Okay. And, and then I made it that person's task to go out and find me three more people like them. <laughs> Smart. Smart. And then I had the team. So you document your process, create your SOPs, which is standard operating procedures. And once you create those standard operating procedures, everybody knows how to do. So when I fired myself from collecting data, I already had videos on how to do it. So I just handed them the videos. I wake up in the morning, data's on the table. Because mm, you documented your process. It was already there. And then I started recording my phone calls. And then the next person I hired, I said, listen to these hundred recordings on how I do it. Check back with me in three weeks. <laughs> I like and I'm going to pay you to learn. And so once you do that, you start to fire yourself. So now I'm at the point where I got 21 employees and I go into the office maybe one or two times every other week. You got your freedom. Got my freedom. You got your freedom. Now you have other wholesalers under you? So I don't, I don't have any other wholesalers under me. A lot of my staff is in the sales department. So we, we, so we, we brought our own attorneys in-house. We were tired of having people close our deals, not in record time. So we basically purchased our own title company so we can close fast. Wow. And so we created our own ecosystem. And so now we're able to pump out deals faster than anybody else in the city. Man, that's incredible, y'all. Those are major gems right there. But for the folks out there who are just starting out, what team members do they need to have? Because you mentioned a title company. Why is it important for them to have a good title company? Absolutely important. So if you live in a title, title state, which means that a title company does the real estate closes in your state, I happen to live in an attorney state, basically that's your best friend. Because when you get a contract, the first person you're going to give it to is that closing person. And they're going to do what they call a title search. That person is going to tell you if the property is clear to close or not. Right. So you need that person on your team. Outside of that, you just got to go hustle. Just need to grind. You just got to go hustle. Just need to grind. So now you make all this money wholesaling. You're killing the game. Now you want to buy real estate. So let's transition to Caesar. First of all, Caesar, for the people who don't know you, let them know who you are. Introduce yourself. What's going on, guys? Pretty much, my name is Caesar. Everybody knows me as Flippin' NJ. I'm a real estate investor from North Jersey. That's where I started. Jersey in the building. Uh, Patterson. Um, that's, that's where I'm from. I've been doing real estate now for about 15 years. Um, I hooked up with MD. About three years ago, we started doing real estate seminars and, teach, and teaching people like us how to invest in real estate. But before that, I was already in the game for about 13 years. Right now, me and my wife own and manage nationwide about 1,600 rental units. Wait, did y'all hear that, y'all? 1,600 rental units with him and his wife. Jenny the boss, hold on. Jenny, stand up. Yeah. That's Jenny the boss right there. That's. She's Jenny the boss, okay? And uh, we also do about 50 to 60 flips a year. Right now we are in, the markets that we are in is Jersey, of course. Uh, we do stuff in Atlanta, Florida, and Chicago. Wow, impressive, y'all. 1,600 yeah. units. Yeah. I don't know nobody that look like me that owns 1,600 yeah. units, y'all. That's incredible. So now, they started off wholesaling, Caesar. They made a bunch of money, they got rich. Now they want to own and they want to buy rental properties, specifically commercial rental properties. How does someone get approved for a commercial loan? Um, any property that is five units and up is considered a commercial property, right? At that point, when you look at commercial properties, is based on the income of the property, right? It's not based on residential comps anymore. Anything that's a condo to a four unit is based on res residential sales in that area. Commercial properties are based on the income. A very easy, num just simple numbers, right? If a building is making 100,000 a year, right? And you get that building, let's say you could buy it for like 400, 500,000, that's a great deal because that more or less, that means that building's worth about a million dollars. Just to give you simple math. Once you get into commercial properties, is a different space compa compared to residential properties. You have to put down a high down payment. What's, anywhere, what's the typical down payment? It depends what kind of lender you go to, but you're looking at anywhere between 15 to 25%. Okay. Yeah. So 
at that point, with those kind of properties, they're looking at the debt service ratio, right? Meaning what the property is cash flowing divided by the, the net cash flow divided by the debt. Most banks, they like to be at around 1.5 to a 2, 1.5 to 2% when it comes to a debt ratio, right? Just to give you a, a simple example, I bought a 48 unit building in Chicago, right? I bought this building back in December, sight unseen. I didn't look at the building, I bought the property. I did the numbers, right? So once the property is cash flowing, it's gonna make 550,000 a year, right? My debt on that building is only 65,000. You divide that number, right? That gives me eight, it comes out to eight. The debt service ratio comes out to eight, right? Meaning my monthly payment is $5,400, right? Now that eight means that I make that eight times. So that's a home run for a bank. A bank is gonna do that deal all day. Now, do you, do you need to have excellent or perfect credit to get approved for a commercial loan? No, to, to be honest with you, it's crazy because on the bigger deals, banks actually jump on those deals compared to the smaller stuff. It's harder to get approved for your own occupied property than it is for a commercial building. Wow, that's incredible, y'all. I hope y'all caught that one. Yeah. It's easier to get approved. Oh, yeah, I said Jim. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I like that. So it's easier to get approved for commercial than it is someone looking to buy their primary residence, basically. Yeah. Because they're only looking at the numbers, those yeah, lenders. Yeah, it's all numbers. It's, it's pretty much based on numbers. So again, to go back on that deal, just so you know, I didn't see it in person, but I know that that building is gonna make me $45,000 a month, let's say, right? So I bought that building for 700,000. I put in 700,000 into that building, right? I'm at 1.4. Now, that building is worth 4.5 million. Ooh. So Low. what do I do? Exactly. Did you say four to five million? $4.5 million, that's what that building is worth. Damn. Right? So at that point, just me doing the numbers, I already know once that building is cash flowing, I'm gonna refinance, take that money, and buy more real estate. So you basically doing a burst strategy with commercial buildings. Yeah. So I, I like doing the flips, but real wealth, and to really you know, build that net worth up, is really commercial properties, that's really where it's at. So you purchased this building, sight unseen. In Chicago, <laughs> you got some big balls, brother. I ain't yeah. gonna tell you that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Sight unseen, and you got to put seven hundred k into it. Yep. What gave you the confidence to be able to do something like that? Like, who's your team? Who's like who you have on the ground out there that's helping you do this? You know, when it comes to real estate, right? After you've been doing real estate for a long time, it just comes down to numbers. If the numbers make sense anywhere in the country, the numbers are the numbers. It doesn't really matter. As far as building a team, I've been doing this for 15 years. I got a lot of gray hairs. So, <laughs> you know, it's not easy, right? But at the end of the day, once you build your team and have your system in place, you know, you could pretty much go anywhere and invest. So team building, obviously you don't live in Chicago. Nope. You're an, you're an out-of-state investor. Yep. Who are the three team members that these folks should have on their team if they're looking to buy commercial real estate? You definitely need a great Top three. You definitely need a great realtor. You know, out in Chicago, I use Rashana Scott. Shout out to Rashana Shout Scott. To She's in the building uh, today. There you go, Rashana. Rashana, don't get too big. There's a lot of people here, but you still got to send me the deals first. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, you need a good title company, attorney, you know, and of course contractors. Co to be honest with you, at this point now, even now in my, in my career, after 15 years, the hardest, the hardest part is dealing with contractors. Especially right now, because you're in a time where a lot of people rather, they're not, they don't want to work, right? Because they're making so much money just co collecting unemployment. Yeah. So there's definitely a shortage pretty much in every industry as far as finding good in, in work. How are you as dealing as well. with out-of-state contractors? Because you know we from New York, New Jersey, and once people will hear you from the Northeast, I like to call it, they put that New York tax on you, yeah. right? Because they, all, they feel like we're just got money to burn. So how are you hiring or interviewing these contractors out of state, being the fact that you live in Jersey? Well, it, it's crazy, it's not easy. You know, a lot of times, you know, like I had one guy, he's like, you know, the price of materials went up and uh, the labor's up now. I was like, 
the price of material has nothing to do with the labor. Yeah, wood went up, not everything else. So you're not gonna charge me that price. You're like, yeah, uh, I'm gonna charge you. I, I want to demo a building, right? The guy's like, there was the same 48 unit. Oh, I want 200,000. And I'm like, just a demo? He's like, yeah. I was like, Brian, give me that. He's like, oh, you know, you, you guys come from out of town. And I was like, bro, I'll give you 90,000. And then, you know, he cried a little bit. And then, he, you know, he, he had to do what he had to do and give me my number. I like, you give me my number, because at the end of the day, after a while, right, especially when a contractor sees that you're going to bring a lot of business, that's when they got to work with you. But if they think that you're just one time, you know, you're doing one deal, they're gonna, that's when they take advantage of you. Man, contractors, first three letters, con. Yep. Right? C-O-N. Yeah. Basically, that's, right? That's, that, that's pretty much it, man. You know, um... Right now, real estate is hot around the whole country, so you always have to, especially at this point now, you have to expand into other markets, they right? Get to you know, you, you, you have to expand into other markets because real estate right now, you know, you have to adapt to the market because then now you're not gonna eat, right? And like for us now, we can't do the rental properties in Jersey, right? Because the market is so oversaturated and the market is so hot. So now we go to a place like Chicago. Like I've been there since December. Since December to now, I already acquired more than 200 units. You know, Ooh, this, this wait, hold on, time. hold on, hold on. You speeding, Caesar? Okay. You said since December yep. 2020. Yep. You 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 got 200 doors. Dude, 200 it's doors, not even bro. Labor Day. Well, that's crazy, man. <laughs> 200 doors before Labor Day? Yeah, 200 doors. My my goal was 200 for the year, though. I I might go out to 300 right now, though. Jesus Christ, Caesar. <laughs> so, all right, let me ask you this, right? When you're analyzing deals. Are you just analyzing your commercial deals uh, using DSCR? Are you losing any other formulas, cap rates, yeah. things of that nature? How are you analyzing your deals? Right. When it comes to, you know, when it comes to commercial, right, the bank's going to go at the debt severance ratio. Then you got cap rates. But realistically, What's I don't a cap know, rate for those who don't know? It's pretty much where you divide the net income by whatever you're purchasing the property for, right? So let's say if a building is making $90,000 a year. And that building, um, the expenses are twenty thousand, right? So you're at seventy thousand, and you're buying that building for a million dollars. So now your cap rate is seven percent. So that's the return on your investment. What's a good cap rate? To me, bro, I don't really analyze cap rate personally, right? But anything, you know, it, on that deal that I just told you is seven percent. That's great because if if you go to like let's say let's say treasuries, you're only gonna get I don't know two percent right now, right? So you see that number is good. I don't analyze that when it comes to commercial properties, right? Again, like I said before, you gotta come up with your own system. I like price per unit, right? So right now in the market, when, when I first started in Patterson, I was buying my commercial properties, price per unit was 15, 20,000, right? 15 years later, now my price per unit is 150 to 200,000. Wow. Right? So when I see a place like Chicago, it excites me, or a place like Milwaukee, it excites me because now I'm paying 10,000, 15,000 a unit. Right, so I know that in the next five to ten years, those my, those units that I'm paying for that today are going to be worth a hundred thousand a unit, because over time it just goes up. Gems, super yeah. super gems right now yeah. from the goat Caesar. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna circle back to you, Caesar. I want to I want to get Chris involved in this conversation. First of all, Chris, introduce yourself for the folks who don't know who the hell you are. All right, everybody, how's everybody doing? I'm Chris Senegal, a real estate investor and developer down in Houston, Texas. Uh, started off as a Houston in the building, -town, Texas -town. in the building. Okay, okay. Yeah, so you know, I was a teenage dad. I'm 37. My son will be 22 this year. That was excuse number one that most people would use. Uh, number two, I went to college, got a degree in engineering, got in corporate America in one year. Realized I was sold a dream. I hated it. I started trying to figure out my way out. So I stayed in the corporate world for about five or six years while I started real estate. And uh, what I was able to build up in real estate allowed me to decide to just walk away one day from my job when something happened that I didn't like. And to have that feeling, to know that you have that, you know, that, that other income that you created for yourself and you're not dependent on somebody else to dictate what you do every day is powerful. And uh, from there, we just, we just kept building. Dope, man, dope. Yeah. So you started off your real estate journey flipping houses. Right. And then now you develop blocks. Right. Shit. How did you get started with developing blocks, bro? Because that's not an easy transition from well, a flipper to now you're saying you develop in neighborhoods. You know what? I, I didn't do it intentionally. I just knew I wanted to do something bigger because uh, the neighborhoods that I was flipping in were neighborhoods I grew up in. 
And what I realized is sometimes if you're strictly focused on making money, you go in that community and you're actually accelerating gentrification. If, you, if you're doing it the way some people are teaching you, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so now, I mean, it's good to go in, into an abandoned area and turn around, but if you're going knocking on doors, offering grandma 70,000 for a house, knowing it's worth 120 and flipping it, grandma got to go stay in a nursing home or something, run out of money. I, I just realized that that was detrimental for our community. So I said, well, let me stop. Let me figure out a different way to do this. And, um, you know, I just kept talking to people. Yeah. I was talking I to people. give it up, man. I mean, yeah. don't be shy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I, I would have all these intellectual conversations with all these people that were smarter than me, older than me, had more money than me, more degrees. And I would say that that's just the way it works. There's, there's no other way to, to, to solve, the, solve the problem of making money in the neighborhood without displacing people and gentrification. Man, that's beautiful, y'all. Yeah. Now, when you're developing these blocks, I'm sure you're not using your capital. No. OPM. Other people's money. Other people's money. Yeah. How, how are you crowdfunding? How are you getting other people to invest in you? Okay, so it's two parts to it. Number one, I use the same technique that Max uses. I find distressed owners, I find people that don't want to own their, their property anymore. But instead of them owning one house, they're usually an heir from a real estate investor that had 20, 30 houses. Like, like say Caesar's kids, maybe one of his kids decides, I don't want to be in real estate. They own the property, and they're like, I'll, I'll cash out, I'll sell. Well, instead of saying, hey, I'm gonna go to the bank and get the bank to fund it, like the way he's talking about, I talk to them and I say, hey, what you want? They say, they, let's say it's worth 500,000. It's, it's gonna be a, you know, a raggedy block. It's worth 500,000. They say, I want 750. I'm like, well, I can't give you 750 now. What I'll do is I give you 550, but I need you to be the bank for me. I'm gonna go put some money together. I'm gonna give you a down payment. Then I'm gonna start making payments to you every month. We don't need a bank. And eventually I'm either gonna pay it off that way or in a few years when I get ready to do my project, then I'm gonna go to the bank at that point and refinance it and then pay you off. Cause it's a lot easier to get a refinance loan than it is to get a purchase loan. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a gem, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. That's a gem. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of seller financing with your deals. Right. So those of you, he just explained what seller financing is. How hard is it for you to find these people who want to, you know, do these type of deals, seller financing? Uh, it's, it's really just a numbers game, guys. I mean, anything, any type of entrepreneurship you're doing, no matter what you're selling, no matter what type of business you're trying to start, you're just going to run through a bunch of people that's going to tell you no. Yeah, because I don't want to tell them the easy stuff because on, right. on, on the Instagram yeah. and everything, everything is hunky-dory. Right, I right, want, right. Tell them the pain that you got to go through to get this one deal, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the first deal, number one, I tried to do it the traditional way. 23 different banks told me no. Talk about it. 23 different banks told me no. So if, if we have to wait until our credit is good enough, till our money is good enough, if we're transitioning into the, a, a bigger arena of real estate, it's going to be very hard for you to get there. But what you just got to do is just keep talking to people. Eventually, you'll find somebody that's going to be on the same page as you that's going to give you that opportunity. Persistence beats resistance. All day. Every day. All, all day long. Mm -hmm. So you're crowdfunding, you're doing seller financing. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't answer that part. I'm oh, bad. go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So after I control the property, then instead of me trying to go to one person that may have a million dollars, usually if you, if you have a deal and somebody else has the money, most of the time, they're going to want a bigger percentage of it if they know that, that you know, cash, cash runs everything, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. So what I decided to do for, this, for this, the, my second development project where I bought a block, it's like 18 houses, two commercial buildings, uh, I decided to do a crowdfund. So crowdfunding has only been around for about five years where we all could participate in it. It's something that everybody could do if you were, had a net worth of over a million dollars or you made over $200,000 a year, which excludes 99% of us, right? Well, Regulation CF crowdfunding came around, and now anybody can invest. So uh, just using social media, didn't really pay for marketing or anything. In seven months, I explained why it was important for us to own our own communities, our own neighborhoods, showed a $2.4 billion development that's going, coming three blocks away from this site. Some of these people have lived on this property for 20 years. And just that story, people all resonate with that, right? Like, we all understand what that is. So when I launched the fund, in seven months, we raised $1.1 million from people investing as little as $250 a piece in the project. Now we all own this community, and that, that $2.4 billion project breaks ground September 1st. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So everybody involved in that, their investment is going to quadruple, you know? So for the folks out here, they want to start crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. Give us three steps, because you've been doing this for a while. So yeah. you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Tell us three steps, three action items that they can take to start their own crowdfund. The right way, the legit way. The right way. So number one, I'm going to say, if you, if you are new at this, at whatever you're trying to endeavor to do, now is the time to crowdfund. Get some good experience because you're taking other people's money. This ain't, this ain't GoFundMe. me. It's not charity. They want their money back and they want to return. They want to make sure that you're actually executing on it. You know? Facts. Right. So that's number one. Number two, build a strong team around you. You need attorneys. Uh, you need people that can help you analyze the deals and make sure they're going to be good. And the same team that, that Caesar said that he, that he has, you got to have the same thing because once you get the property, you got to make sure that your numbers are tight, everybody's going to see the returns that you're promising them, and that you know, everything's going to float. And I'll say the third thing is going to be uh, probably the, the property management your, and, and your CPA that's going to help you, you know, control the project and make sure that all the numbers, once again, because once you finish it and you get it done, it has to cash flow, the, opera the operations have to be net positive so that you know, the, the project wins. It's a lot of information, y'all. I hope y'all taking notes on this. So they want to go ahead and crowdfund. They want to go build the block. If they're new, you don't recommend it. Should they partner with someone with experience? Definitely, definitely. So I always talk about the success triangle, right? So it's three things you need to be successful in anything. You need the knowledge and experience, you need the opportunity, and you need the money. So if you come to the table with one of those three, you go out and connect with the other two, and that's your shortcut to success in anything you're trying to do. So in a scenario like this, the opportunity would be what you come to the table with because you have the property, right? So then you go partner with somebody that, go partner with these guys. You show them a deal, they say, oh, it makes sense. They, they, they may bring the experience and the money, or they may just bring the money and tell you to go find a local contractor to work with. You know? Yo, that, that's a gem. Say that one more time, bro. Please. I think that might have went over some people's heads. Yeah. What's the three things you need? Yeah, repeat that. All right, so the success triangle. You need the knowledge and experience, you need the opportunity, and you need the money. You don't have to have all three. Just come to the table with one and find the people that have the other two. And that's how you get anything successful. Big Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Big yeah. Jim right there. Yeah. All right, so great information, Chris. But I want to ask all you guys this, right? Because a lot of people here, um, they always ask me, should I wait? The market's going to crash. Tenants are not playing, paying. Should these folks wait to buy real estate, Max, Caesar, Chris? Any one of y'all could put this question up. I mean, what's that saying? They say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The yeah. second best time was to, is today. Right, mm. right. Jim. So you know you shouldn't wait. It's the foundation of us building wealth in our community. Mm -hmm. Like America's, like I just spent a, a month or so in Africa, right? And they don't even have a credit system over there. Like if you go buy a house, you got to bring cash. If you, go, if you want to rent an apartment, you got to bring one to two years of rent up front. I know you would like that, wow. Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to understand America's built on equity. Equity is what uh, has lowered people's debt on credit cards. It sent kids to college. It allowed you to improve your homes, all these things. So you need to go out and own something. Equity is involved in that. Caesar, your thoughts on that? Should they wait? Should they wait for the crash, Caesar, or should they buy now? There is no crash coming. The, Say that again, please. There, there is no crash coming anytime soon. You know, the same people that are the ones telling you, oh, should I buy now, are the same ones that asked me four years ago if they should have bought something. <laughs> right? right? Facts. Those are the people that are like, oh, man, when I saw you and I spoke to you a couple years ago, you told me uh, I should have bought something. Back then, the properties were 150000 Where do I find those deals? And I'm like, yeah, four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not right now. So that's the thing, man. You, you know, a lot of people, you know, they come to these seminars, they buy books, you know, they do all this education, but they never pull the trigger. So I believe I, I go out there and, you know, I buy whatever I think is a good deal. And I've been right for the last 15 years. And if it's wrong, then, you know, I'll hit my head against the, the, the wall until I figure out how to make it profitable. That's really it, man. You know, there, there's nothing like self-education. You got to go out there, pull the trigger, and make it happen. If not, then somebody else is going to make the money. Agree. Yeah. Gems. Chris, same question to you, brother. Definitely, 100%. See, the, the rest of the economy doesn't matter if you find a good deal. If you find a house that's, that you can buy it with equity in it below market and it's going to cash flow or you can renovate it and flip it and sell it, you should do it. Don't, don't listen to what everybody else is saying about the market, especially if, if in a market where if you're flipping, people are buying quickly. That's important. Or if you're, uh, if you're in a market where they're renting, 
after, you, after you're all in, whatever it costs you every month to run that property, if the rents are still above that, yeah, buy the, buy the deal, because it's still gonna work. Gems, so let me ask you guys this. Rent, people are not paying. How have you guys handled your properties with your tenants who haven't been paid, paying rent during COVID-19? Because a lot of people out here just abusing the system, thinking they can get over. What challenges did you guys face, and what did you do to turn it around? as far as with your tenants not paying you? Any one of you guys can answer that. I mean, Caesar, you got 1,600 units. Know, how yeah. you deal Matter with that? Matter of fact, Caesar, how the hell you deal with that? That's a lot of headache, bro. Yeah, well, I had a couple sleepless nights in the last year or so. <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple? I, at first, you know, it was, it was a little scary. But to be honest with you, most of our residential tenants, we had, uh, we had pretty good tenants, and we didn't have a big, that big of an issue. Um, it affected more our commercial tenants. You know, our restaurants, our uh, barbershop tenants, you know, all these people that couldn't really ha have customers come in the door. So eventually you work, you work it out with them. And, you know, we're blessed that most of our properties, you know, like 80% of our portfolio is in Jersey. Jersey wasn't hit as hard as New York, to be honest with you, uh, in that aspect. So we did pretty good. And whatever tenants, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? You, you have to work with them. And then eventually... You know, they'll catch up. A lot of pro programs came out once all those SBA loans and PPP and all those crazy things came out. A lot of people called back up, even on the commercial side. But then you still have to deal with people that do abuse it. You know, we have a couple tenants now. Uh, we probably have about 10 tenants out of our whole portfolio. We're door knockers. We're old school. So I believe when you send a guy to knock on your door and collect the rent, right, it kind of puts that pressure, right, that they have to pay the rent. Wait, yeah. so you got the goons knocking on their door, Caesar? You know, you're from Patterson, New Jersey, yeah, 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 so you, you know. know. You know, so uh, I like that system, to be honest with you. And, you know, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, you waste gas or whatever. Some people, right, like, because when you think about it, right, if you give somebody the opportunity to send a payment in the mail, right, who really sends the payment on time? Mm. I'm going to be honest with you. My like, mom. Even myself to this day, like, I, I, I don't pay my, car, my cars or any, any bills on the first. I, try, I wait till that last minute, right? So if I give you the opportunity to pay me through the mail, you're going to tell me, oh, I put the check in the mail last week. No, you didn't. I still don't got it. So, you know, but when you put that pressure on, I believe that makes it like, oh, you know what? I got to pay this guy. He, he's going to keep on bothering me. And I've been blessed with a brother. Uh, shout out to Luchi Rancho. There's shout a harasser. And my brother's a harasser of all the harassers. So some people are like, yo, I just want to pay your brother so he won't text me again. Like, I don't blame you. I don't pick up his phone calls either. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky as far as having my brother in that aspect. So property management, that's very important when buying real estate, right? How, how are you hiring? Well, you have in-house, right? But at first, did you start off with having in-house property managers? No, at the beginning, it used to be me. Right? I started myself, then my brother eventually. That's the number one thing I'm going to tell you right now. When you're first starting, especially on the rental side, never let your tenants know that you are the owner. Jim. Always keep that middleman in between you and your tenants because they will start calling you and they're going to bother you. Oh, my toilet doesn't flush. Can you come over here? Uh, I got to change the light bulb. Like four in the morning. No, I can't go over there. So a lot of times when it comes to property management, at the end of the day, when you're a real estate investor, you want to find deals and make as much money as possible. You, you do not want to waste time with the day-to-day. -day. So property management is anywhere between 5 to 10% on the grand scale of things. You know, if you got an apartment that brings in $1,000, you're talking about $50. I'd rather pay those $50 than have to deal with a tenant bothering me. Mm. So what are three steps to hire the right property managers. What, if you were to fire Lucci, right? What would it be the three things you would be looking for when you interviewed well, you <laughs> property know, I, managers? I probably fire my brother at least four times a month but <laughs> for other reasons. But besides that, you definitely want somebody with experience, somebody that's not a pushover, right? Because that's the thing. When it comes to that side of the business, collecting rent, you know, is. Rental properties is the real key to true wealth, right? To build true wealth, rental properties all day. That's number one. I'm not even gonna tell you anything else, right? Flipping is cool, you know, it's good. Developing, wholesaling, there's so many different things, but when you keep those rental properties, that's really what builds money over time, over and over. It's not easy, 
you have to deal with a lot of headaches. You have to deal with people. But you want to have people on your team that aren't pushovers because you got to be tough. You know, like people might be like, oh, man, you know, you're an asshole, whatever. No. Everybody wants something for free, right? Even your tenants. So you need somebody that's not a pushover. Somebody's not, that's not going to overcharge you. So, for example, somebody that has five units, they're probably going to charge you the maximum 10%. Somebody like me, in a certain state, I got a couple hundred units, they're gonna charge me 5%. So that, that, that's the whole thing. So you want somebody with experience and somebody that's not a pushover and somebody that actually knows the law, and especially if you're going out of state in that county or state, because every state is different. Some states, for example, here in, in Georgia is pretty dope because you could evict somebody in three weeks, right? Yep. In Jersey, it's 60 to 45 days. New York, you're probably looking at two years right now. Yeah, New is York crazy. is probably more like three yeah. years because uh, yeah, of COVID. So, uh, that's why I don't own any real estate in New York. Yeah, New York oh. is the worst. Yeah, so that, you definitely don't want to push over any part of your business. You know, people have to, you know, stand tall. Definitely. Max, quick question for you. You mentioned skip tracing earlier, right? And there's a lot of software and technology and companies out there that offer these services. Can you explain what skip tracing is? And also, what are the best companies to use to get this type of data? Yeah, so skip. So in my prior life, one of my failed businesses, I was a bail bondsman, right? And so skip tracing comes from when somebody misses court, they are skipped, and you got to go trace them because if you don't find them in 100 days, you got to pay the whole bond as a bondsman. So that's where that word comes from. So, um, you know, data is very important to your business. I happen to own two data companies. I won't even mention them up here, but... I own two data companies and data is very important. It's the difference between reaching somebody or not reaching somebody. I mean, and so there's so many different services out there. I would say just do your homework. I would ask somebody who's doing business for a long time and say, who do you use on your connection rate? I'm not up here to sell y'all nothing, so I'm not even gonna mention mine. But you need, to, you need to find somebody who's actively doing deals and then ask them, yo, who, who are you using to find data? Because data is very important. You know, MG, some, something that's real crazy, all of us do three different things in real estate. But what the main common thing was is we all know how to identify a deal. Facts. And something that I say all the time is a good deal never looks for money. Money always looks for a good deal. So mm. if you hold one of those, Jim. if you hold that good deal, money will always come to you. So don't ever inbox me or Caesar, Chris, somebody you needed money for a deal. Or you need this, because if you got a good deal, somebody gonna be chasing you for that joint. That is a fact. And what you probably think is a good deal is a terrible deal. So get good at identifying a deal. I don't care if you're doing single family, multifamily, or development. Learn how to identify a deal. Because he said you need three things, and one of them was the opportunity. And if you create that, they gonna bring you the money. So what are two other things to identify a good deal, since we're on that subject? Well, I mean, listen, you gotta, and anything, anything we do, a lot of people like to take shortcuts, right? You say you've been doing this for 16, 16 years, right? My man had to study to know how to analyze a deal so he could be in New Jersey and buy a property in Chicago. Nothing is gonna beat studying something that you wanna be great at, right? My man could probably make a million dollars on the back of a napkin, sitting at a bar drinking a tequila drink, all because he studied the real estate, he knows how to identify the deals. And so there's no shortcut to learning this. You gotta really put in the work. You have to really put in the work. There's no calculator, there's no this. You gotta study it so that you can regurgitate it at any moment. That is a fact. You wanna add to this, Chris? Because I thought this, this is something that you talk about on your, on your page a lot, is identifying deals, commercial real estate too, especially in Houston, right? I want. I want to know about the Houston real estate market right now. Is it a good time to buy multifamilies out there? Yeah, it's definitely a good time in Houston. The, the challenge with Houston is, uh, like other, unlike a lot of other cities that, we, that people are investing in, there aren't a lot of small multifamilies there. So you almost have to build those. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Houston market is probably one of the most stable markets in the country, because even, even during 2008, we didn't have the big bubble with all, with all, all the price drops. Um, right now, the particular market that I'm in, which is the, the Fifth Ward area, is, like I said, it's a historically black neighborhood, underserved, and, uh, but it's about, to be, it's about to change drastically. Um, so that market is really, really hot right now, and all the other outside investors are now moving in. Now, on my social media, like you said, I've been telling people for four or five years to buy there, to buy there, to buy there. And that's also why I did 
uh, new construction development in that neighborhood because I wanted us to be the buyers. So all of my buyers look like us, young black working professionals. Um, and now they've got twenty, thirty thousand dollars in equity in their home, and they bought the homes last year. Nice, right? And it's gonna it's gonna continue to go like that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great market. But as far as like, yeah, but as far as like analyzing deals, yeah, if, if you don't have the experience, make sure you pay for the knowledge from somebody. You know. Yes. Yes, because guys, you're gonna find what about out about the people who like if it's free, it's from me. If it's free, that you, you, you're gonna get free service. You're gonna get you're gonna, <laughs> a free free knowledge and a whole bunch of headaches, free headaches. Um, but yeah, so I, I tell people this: you're either gonna figure out something one or two ways. You're either gonna pay somebody that's got a proven track record that's successful at it to give you the information, or you're gonna pay with time, energy, effort, frustration, losses, trying to figure out the same thing on your own, and it'll be three, four. Long, three or four times as long before you get to the same point as if you just went to the right person and paid them or offered them a bigger percentage of a deal or something like that just to get in. So correct me if I'm wrong, right? In Houston, there's no zoning requirements, right? So you can buy a one family, knock yeah. it down, and make a 10 unit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you can build whatever you want, wherever you want, which is crazy. So that, that is a, definitely an unfair advantage. It's like no man's land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell is that even possible? Like... You, you know just what? buy, I could buy a single family, it could be in an a, a area with all single families, and I could say, fuck this, I'm going to just build a 10 family? Yeah, I mean, the only process the they have... And the city won't say nothing? The only process they have is, like, there's this, what's called a 30-day variance notice, where uh, whoever what's bought the property... a variance? A variance is just a change of use, so they're, they're varying the use from one thing going to something else, right? And so for 30 days, anybody in the community that wants to complain and say, hey, I see that sign, it says you're building a hair salon right there, I don't want that next to me then you know, then that goes to city council, and that's the only way a project could get stopped. Other than that, as long as they build it to code and it's designed to code, you can build it. Damn, y'all. That's a gem. It's crazy. Yeah. I, was, I was in Houston the other day. We was at a restaurant on the yeah. balcony. Behind it is some condominiums. To the left, they build a factory. I'm like, yo, y'all ain't got no rules out here, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a whole factory? <laughs> wild, wild west. <laughs> Yo, what's going on in Texas, bro? <laughs> Look, that's an opportunity, though, right? Like you said, opportunity is everywhere. You just got to know where to look. You got to yeah. do your research. You got to do your due diligence. You got to know people who know the information. Sometimes you might have to pay, but at least you're going to get ahead of the game with yeah. doing that. Yep. So we don't have too much time, and I want to make sure that each of you have enough time to give your closing remarks and, and, and tell the people what's going on next for you guys. So let's start with Max, and then we walk our way down the line. Yo, I would say, you know, what's crazy is, I remember uh, almost two years ago sitting in the kitchen at the EYL University joint. Yep. And we were talking off camera, and it's just like, like, I see where you guys are going. You know, I was on episode 50, and now we're here, thousands of people, in Atlanta, and this is what we need to make the new normal. And, and this is, what, this is what they're afraid of right here. You know, because this is important. This is the only way we're gonna be able to pass the information on, because we need this. We so far behind, we gotta play catch up. You already know we fast, so once we catch on, it's over. And that's what they're afraid of. It's about to be over. So, over. take this information. You see us sitting on stage, it, absorb it. We, it we, we enjoy coming up here and pouring into y'all because it makes us better. And we want to see y'all at the top. It just, it's so important. So don't take this opportunity lightly. Don't be a seminar junkie. When you leave here, go do something. With the information that you acquire, go do something. Become obsessed with being successful and, and, and just go for it because it's out there. Come obsessed with being successful. Woo! Super gems. Caesar, any, any parting words before we get out of here? Right. Before we leave, just to give you an example, right? Because right now, if you look up on your phone, we're talking about commercial properties. I want to I end it with a Look, with pull a out your phones right now, please. Pull out, pull out your phones, because he's about to give you a major gem. So look, you pull out your phone right now. 1835 West Garfield Boulevard in Chicago. 1835 West Garfield. Yep, Boulevard, Chicago. That building right now is on the market for 497000 right? It's a 10-unit building. Doesn't need too much work. 
That building right now is worth $780,000, right? You could buy that building for $497,000 and almost have three hundred grand tomorrow. Now you ask, why did I not buy that building? I offered two fifty. dollars they told me to go, you know where. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm cheap, I'm cheap, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm cheap, I'm not going to lie. I, wanted to, I offered them 250000 But just to give you an example, you could buy a building like that right now in, th in that market and make 300000 You could take that 300000 right, refinance, and buy more buildings. It's that, there's deals everywhere. Unless you look, ask the questions, take the initiative, you're never going to do anything. So just, you know, go out there and just make it happen. That's it. No excuse. That's what we all do up here every day. We get up the next day and try to be better and take it to the next level. That's all you have to do. Man, I hope you got that gym. Yep. He just gave y'all 300000 Yeah. So y'all need to hit up Rashana Scott, who's in the corner over there. And right? Rashana Scott sent me this deal. So. <laughs> well, you need to hit up Rashana Scott and go make an offer, right, and compete against each other. So any... any yeah final part and words you want to tell them how to follow you all that good stuff yeah. whatever you want to tell them as far as you know on instagram uh flipping nj um i'm at booth 129 right now selling uh i'm signing copies and selling copies of my number one bestseller uh flipping keys i was number one uh shout out to on number one amazon wall street um to be honest with you you know according to my wife i could barely read it right <laughs> I can't spell that good, but I'm good with numbers. Um, I never really thought about writing a book. Uh, to be honest with you, DJ Envy three years ago threw me in, t in front of a stage of 500 and said, bro, go talk. Talk about what? And now we've been doing it ever since. So I'll be at booth 19, any quest 129, any questions you have, let me know. I'm Flippin' and Jay. You can follow me on Instagram. Uh, and I'm here. Dope, 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 y'all. Chris. Yeah. So one thing I want everybody in this audience to, to appreciate is I used to go to events like this, yeah, to listen to the speakers on the stage, but I got more connections by talking to the people in the audience that was next to me. Because all of y'all are on the same mindset, if, if, and if all of y'all are like most of us, the most of the people we had in our circle did not think like us, and they would try to shoot holes in your ideas, tell you go back and get a job, you know, tell you you're taking too much risk. But this room is full of people that think just like you. So make sure you network and talk to as many people because I guarantee you somebody is sitting next to a, a future millionaire or maybe a millionaire right now and you don't even know it and you're going to see them on social media or something and be like, damn, I should have got that contact information. Should have been talking to him, get some game from him. Great. 100% um, agree. Yeah. So yeah, so guys, if you want to look me up, uh, Chris Senegal is an uh, Instagram investor. I uh, got a YouTube channel too. But um, yeah, you know, I'm here always giving out game teaching us how to responsibly invest in our own neighborhoods and have long-term ownership. And let's not, let's not believe Black Wall Street was just an anomaly. Every city had a Black Wall Street at one point in time. So if we did it before in a much tougher racial economic climate, we definitely can do it now. Look, we're doing it right now at Invest Fest. That's you it, that's what, like, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We got over 4,000 people in the building. We got 200 plus vendors in the marketplace. This is phenomenal. Um, shout out to EYL, man. Shout out to the whole team. EYL is truly the biggest. And I need y'all to really understand what's really happening and what these gentlemen have gave you guys. They gave so much information that I hope you guys got value from our time on the stage today. I want you guys to go follow all of them. They're gonna be here, talk to them. But like Chris just said, most importantly, talk to each other. Right? Everybody next to you has the same goals in mind. Everybody came here to learn. They came here to win. Exchange numbers. It's cool to talk to the influencers and take pictures. That's all good. But talk to each other, man. Everybody paid the price to be in here. And if you're smart, look, we was at VIP night. And a couple of VIP folks, they'll tell you. I told them. I said, look, you guys, if you don't make $50,000 within 12 months of the connections that you made in here, you did yourself a tremendous disservice. It's a fact. And I'm gonna tell everybody in this room, if you guys don't make 50 Gs in the next 12 months off of everything you're gonna learn in InvestFest, whether it's from crypto, stocks, real estate, pick your poison and get to a fucking bag. Yo, I love you, man.
And, and she from Jamaica. You hype all day. But look, that's our time. Um, thank you, guys. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.